Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And God. And they are the city of champions again. Edmonton Eskimos. Great cup champs. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time, he wins it. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. And a good morning to you on a wicked Wednesday out there. A little gray, a little cloudy, a little ugly, uh, nine degrees, uh, rainy. Uh, hoping for a little bit better weather tomorrow, but hey, does it matter? Hockey season is here. Training camp starts for the Edmonton Oilers today with medicals, physicals. 57 players will be taking part uh, at both ice surfaces at uh, Rogers Place. So everyone is fired up for it. Um, yesterday, the Oilers kicked things off with the annual Barry Cates Memorial Media Golf Tournament at the Glendale. Thanks to uh, Jeff McGregor and his staff and... Bruce Hardy, who was lucky enough to golf with the top foursome out there. Not really, but um, I was lucky enough to golf with uh, Bob Nicholson after giving him the gears yesterday on the air. Who knew that we were going to be playing together? And uh, Mark Connolly and Bruce, and uh, we had a pretty good showing. And, you know, the Oilers' uh, uh, comm staff just does a fabulous job. They won, the comm staff won um, the Rick Dillman Award. It goes to the old uh, Minnesota well, North Stars, uh, PR guy. And uh, last year, the Oilers PR staff, um, led by Jamie Cartmel, Sean May, Kate Doyle, uh, who would just do a fabulous job all season long, uh, were the Western Conference uh, Dillman Award winner. So uh, congrats to them for doing for all their hard work and for facilitating. I guess it's not easy. It's not an easy job, uh, especially how the media has changed was a lot easier, a lot different um, years ago. So uh, camp starts today. Yesterday was a great day. Uh, Also today, the Oilers will be announcing two more members to the Oilers Hall of Fame. Who are they going to be? Let us your let us know your thoughts. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Name us your picks. Doug Waite, good choice. Last year went with uh, Lee Fogelin, so kind of back to the old guard. And of course, Ryan Smith. Is it a similar situation this year? I mean, Doug Waite uh, had 577 points for the Oilers, was a great ambassador for the city. I remember uh, there was a Bill Tuelli, who was the old, speaking of PR guys, Bill Tuelli, who was the old uh, uh, head of the Oilers Public Relations Department back in the day. I remember him telling me one day that uh, Doug Waite went to, uh, I think it was probably the Humane Society or something like that. So it's a long time ago. It's probably, you know, in the, I don't know, probably 97 or 8 or something like that. And um, he had about six, seven um, cats with him like he was there. So they had the, the all the photogs from the journal in the sun were there. And Bill Twelly said, 
I'll guarantee you what will be on the front page of the Edmonton Sun tomorrow. And it was Doug Waite with the six, seven cats or whatever it was. So, uh, then there's so many other choices. I mean, tons. There's, I mean, let's be honest. You can go 20, 30 years for making two selections a year when you think about all the other guys. I mean, we're looking at Joey Moss, Dave Semenko. Um, when you get into the Oilers athletic staff, um, you know, Barry Stafford, Sparky Kolchiski, Kenny Lowe. Um, Man and Croc sends us a text. Doug Wade and Kelly Buckberger. Harry sends a text in. Yaroslav Puzar. And Chet Grizzle facetiously says, Alinus Omark. Uh, Big John. Morning, Kevin. My guess would be Charlie Huddy for the Ring of Honor, the Hall of Fame. Um, lots of, I mean, there are no wrong um, names to throw out there when you think about it because with such a rich history and so many great players over the years. But I think, you know, if you're looking for someone that is, you know, and, and let's be honest, Doug Wade at the, at uh, there were a lot of dark years when Doug Wade was here and it was tough for a lot of uh, fans to watch, uh, you know, several seasons where, you know, the, the orders just weren't having great success, but um, Doug Wade really provided a lot of entertainment. Uh, the Gator, Jason Smith, tough as nails. Uh, Big John, my guess would be Charlie Huddy for the Oilers Hall of Fame. So again, a lot of uh, people sending in their uh, choices. Again, there, there's so many to choose from. Um, really good ones. Uh, coming up at 720, this is going to be an interesting interview, and we're going to hook up with uh, A.J. Jakubek. Former Edmontonian, um, kind of cut his teeth back in the, the day in the business here years and years ago, um, but has been out east. He's uh, been out in Ottawa for a number of years, and AJ was a, a stalwart, uh, again, on the Edmonton media scene and then moved out there. AJ, uh, about three years ago, had a really, really serious health scare, and we're going to talk to AJ about that and get his thoughts on, you know, the Senators and the Red Blacks and probably the PWHL, but I mean, it's a it's a hell of a story uh, what he had to go through and um, how serious it was. It was, uh, I believe, acute pancreatitis. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Who do you think should be on the list today for the two new inductees for the Oilers? Wall of Fame, if you want to call it that, or the Hall of Fame, I believe. So um, a lot of great uh, names coming in. Uh, Kevin Radomski at 820 will join us. Uh, He's the Edmonton Oil Kings Director of Business Ops, our headliner of the day. Uh, And, of course, every day at 8 for Booster Juice is Mark Spector. Uh, Speck was at the uh, golf yesterday looking sharp. To be honest with you, I think Speck was golfing with Jack Michaels. uh, And Jack, when he golfs, really has some, uh, he wears colorful pants. And I think he was wearing purple pants and Speck was wearing a purple kind of hoodie. What do you think of that? Like when you saw, when you think about fashion statements, Duke, as we bring in the uh, Duke of Delbert, Brandon Douglas, our top-notch producer here on the Kevin Carey Show, uh, you know, Speck is, he's, he's got the, the fashion sense, the statement. He, he's there. He's there. 
Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think of that firsthand, but uh, then you actually like put some context to it and you think back about seeing Spec on TV all these years. He's always very well dressed, uh, always very stylish. So um, what better opportunity than to flash that even a little bit more than out on the golf course where you can pretty much go with whatever you want, no matter how garish or... Uh, off uh, obscene, you know, with maybe some patterns or, or checkers <laughs> or uh, argyle, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever floats your boat. But uh, I would love to see some pictures of what Spec was rocking out of the course. Oh, yesterday. well, and again, and it's just so smooth, the form, everything. It's just top notch. Um, uh, this text comes in: Mac T and Joey. That's AJ in Montreal. Um, Rockford, the you know the Rockford Files, what a great show! Rockford, Yuri Dopita, a lot of guys just kind of making a little uh, fun with it. Uh, Mac T, uh, Mac T is in town right now, so it's probably him. Another good choice. Who knows? Craig McTavish, one of the all-time great Oilers, in all facets: player, coach, GM, um, upper management, um, an all-around good guy. Uh, what else is coming up? Uh, I've just been informed, so you might have to work the phones a little bit. Our friend David Schlemko says he has the flu and is not coming in today at nine o'clock. So, uh, that puts us in a little bit of a, a little bit of a bind this morning. Uh, Schlemmer, we wish you the best. Try to get better. Um, a day off with pay, I guess. I don't know if that happens for you, but... I don't know. So uh, we'll try to get through uh, as best we can today without uh, Schlemmer. Uh, Dennis Bonvi. Well, again, yeah. So, you know, try to get some. If you're going to send a text in for this and, and let's get some good ones. I mean, there are some really good ones. I think we covered a lot of them. And again, um, so many guys in the Oilers history have been, uh, you know, Really, you know, not just in Edmonton, but across the whole league. I mean, we had one of them on. I mean, Alishemsky is another one that will probably go up in the future. Uh, Charlie Huddy is a very good um, nominee. Uh, we had him on the show uh, last week with Grant Fear. Um, another, like Todd Marchant. The, the, there's a lot of guys that are out there um, that had great, great careers. Doug Waite now in, in San Jose with... Another former teammate in Edmonton, Mike Greer. So, um, and then there's so many guys from back in the day that helped the franchise grow, helped the franchise get to where it is today. So uh, that's going to be announced later today. So if you want to keep sending uh, your kind of answers in and your comments, send it to us one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Who do you think should be going up? Who do you think? Oh, yeah. why so serious? Have some fun with it. Yes, Dennis Bonby. Wow, that is unbelievable. Put your name on the text, Skip. Uh, Adam Oates from the Rockford Files again. Um, Adam Oates was a great guy too. And smart. What a smart hockey player. Really good. Um, so uh, Jeff Merrick from Rogers Sportsnet will join us at 920. Uh, Merrick will be, uh, well, he's, I mean, you know who else was here yesterday, Duke? Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman was here yesterday for the Barry Cates Memorial Golf Tournament. Came a little late. Was uh, I think I talked to him when he got in. It was four holes late. But that's pretty neat that he, you know, he said he wanted to come here last year. They put him on the list. I mean, a, a name like that automatically draws some, uh, some attention. I think 
maybe no convenience that with the big announcement coming today for the uh, Oilers uh, Hall of Fame inductees for this season, you know, Friedman, uh, he's a newsbreaker. He wants to be uh, as close to the action as possible. And with training camps just getting underway and seemingly not much traction on uh, some of the other stories in the league, maybe this is the scoop that Friedman's chasing right now. Well, I think he he had an interview with uh, Jay Woodcroft yesterday, amongst other things. Um, So at at this... um, Barry Cates Memorial Golf Tournament. So they had a, a great day of golf, beautiful supper at the Glendale, and then uh, a real quick kind of hot stove. And normally, like this is sort of, all the media is there, but and, and nothing's, it's not really off the record, but you don't really report on it. There's no There's no microphones out. There's no, there was a couple things that was said today, but I, there's one thing that I think I want to relate um, because it ties in to um, what's been happening in the last week or so. So Jay Woodcroft, he was asked just a kind of thing about what the upcoming season. And the one thing that he did relay and the, and it was two words. And I think it is um, because it coincides with everything that we've seen in Columbus. Jay Woodcroft said players first. Players first. That will be kind of a mandate for the organization this year. So uh, the Oilers will uh, have medicals fitness testing then they will have uh, an availability later this morning about let's call it nine o'clock in the morning in the hall of fame room so um gm president of hockey ops ken holland that's when he will speak and then guys will be coming out it's when you when you Go and cover these things. It's kind of hard because they're doing all the, the testing. Guys are in groups on bikes and doing all the the jumping, yada yada yada. So they come out at different times and things like that. So I'm sure Gregor will have a, a fair bit of that on his uh, show later this afternoon at two o'clock. So with uh, Schlemko out uh, with gout, it looks like uh, we were still going to try to get his buddy Matt Tassoni on. I'll have to get Tassoni on, and uh, so Schlemmer and Tassoni are kind of at NAX uh, Hockey Academy. So I'm going to have to work on Tassoni here. I'll, he's probably he doesn't get out of bed till probably after nine. So I'll give Tassoni a, a, a shot here. But when we come back, we will hook up with AJ Jakubic, TSN 1200 in Ottawa to talk about his journey and uh, what's going on in the nation's capital. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Rain. Oh, and it is a, was a rainy night. It's a rainy morning here in the capital region. Nine degrees, 14 for a high rain all day, it seems. It was uh, raining. Was it raining for you on the way, all the way in Fort Saskia, Duke? Uh, well, there's definitely a sprinkle that came overnight. Yeah. Truck was wet. Uh, and then just a few few drops on the windshield and drive over this mm-hmm. morning. So it wasn't really raining in progress, but uh, definitely a little bit of a dump yeah. overnight for sure. Just before we get to AJ Jakubic, text keep coming in, one 401 1440 Listeners' choices for the Oilers' picks for the Hall of Fame today. They will be announcing later in the morning. Uh, good morning, KK and Duke. Uh well, we'll get to that one in a second. Rockford, top three Oiler D-man of all time. Coffee, Low, and Pronger. Uh, number 44 should get the accolades too, even if it was a short stay here. Uh, this one comes in. The Enforcers never get enough credit. Dave Semenko should 100% be honored. That comes in from Grant. All right, let's uh, welcome in A.J. Jacobit from TSN 1200 in Ottawa. A.J., long time since we've talked. How you doing, big guy? Outstanding, Kevin. Great to be on with you. 
Well, it's good to have you. Before we talk about what's been going on in the Ottawa sports scene, I wanted to touch base and, and kind of get our, our listeners caught up with you personally because about three years ago you had a, a very serious health scare, um, but you came through in flying colors. Can you kind of describe what you were going through, uh, I guess, a little over three years ago? Yeah, I had uh, a real severe case of, of pancreatitis, which uh, affected my bile duct, pancreas, and uh, a few other fun things that, that were going on. So uh, I ended up spending about two and a half months in hospital, about uh, eight days in ICU. Uh, but, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, was able to recover, and uh, everything is, is all good now. I, I was super fortunate because... All this happened right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of support. My, my parents were with me. I probably a hundred visitors uh, that came to see me over the course of that time. But uh, all good now, and uh, certainly, uh, yeah, g- gave you a little bit of perspective and uh, uh, a life-changing thing for sure. But uh, certainly, I uh, was able to come through it, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. And your your parents went out, I think, was it your sister went out from, was it Calgary? Yeah, sisters in Calgary, and, uh, like, my parents were here for probably, oh, of those two and a half months, and I mean, I was off work for six and a half months, mm-hmm. but of those two and a half months in hospital, I think they were probably there for all of that, except for 10 days, where they went back to Edmonton for a couple of five-day uh, stints, so... Just to have that support, I mean, can't even say enough mm-hmm. about that. I can't imagine going through that, uh, say, five months later where no one would be able to visit you in the hospital. I mean, that that was uh, a big part of my recovery is just the, the feeling you would get when people would come to see you. It was uh, a huge boost each and every day. So, yeah, it was uh, it a scary incident for sure and, and, and not a lot of fun, but between the people that helped me and, you know, got me through it and, and certainly the medical people, whether it was doctors, nurses, support staff, uh, yeah, very fortunate to have had uh, a lot of good people in my life to help me uh, get through a difficult time. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, great that you're um, 100% now and and back in broadcasting, doing everything that we uh, love that you do out there and stuff. So, But you got your, 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 your career kind of started here. Uh, go back to, you know, the, the grassroots when you were kind of just getting uh, going and broadcasting and cutting your teeth, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I you know, I, I grew up at Edmonton and at St. Albert uh, and went to went to school at Nate, took radio and TV arts. Um, but, you know, my first four years were in B.C. I spent uh, three years in trail and a year in Kelowna, which were fantastic places. I mean, trail in particular, such mm-hmm. a great sports place uh with with the smoke eaters and the tradition that that they had there going back to their world championship teams and uh, i mean when i was in trail uh lauren bay was on her way to being an olympian probably the best softball player this country has ever seen <laughs> jason bay was cutting his teeth uh as an american legion baseball player and went to gonzaga uh, playing baseball and they had Steve McCarthy and Barrett Jackman that were both first round draft picks in the NHL. So it was a real cool place to start. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in Edmonton, you know, born in 75. So I remember the tail end of 
the Eskimo dynasty with, with Warren Moon and that crew, and, and certainly uh, the Oiler da- dynasty in the 80s uh, with the Trappers and the Brickmen and the Drillers mm-hmm. and so many great teams to watch growing up. So that certainly fueled my interest in, in sports and, and fortunate enough to, to have worked there in a couple of stints. One, one with John Short, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, obviously uh, an Edmonton legend, a guy that I grew up listening to uh, on the radio back on CFRN, and then uh, a second stint doing Oil Kings games, uh, the first three years of the Oil Kings from 2007 and 2010. Of course, when I say uh, the first three years, the first three in- years of Oil Kings 2.0, because <laughs> uh, I can't forget about uh, the team that uh, – that, really dominated in terms of Western Canadian junior hockey in the fifties and sixties. So yeah, it was great to, to be able to work there and, and uh, certainly uh, a lot of fond memories. Uh, I just got back. I was there for a couple of weeks. Of course, the Elks broke their, uh, the long losing streak uh, against Ottawa in recent weeks. And so I was there for that and spent uh, about 12 days there. So always great to get back home and, uh, you know, Edmonton will always be a special place for me. For sure. A.J. Jakubik, uh, TSN 1200 in Ottawa, is our guest on uh, Kevin Carey's show on Sports 1440. Text coming in for you, A.J., one 401 This comes from uh, uh, Big John. Uh, hey, A.J., I grew up in Fruitville, and I and remember your days in trail. My sister played ball with Lauren Bay. Glad you're doing better. So uh, lots of fans are still out uh West and out here, uh, AJ, uh, you, you left out your market. Beaver Valley. Yeah, there you go. I uh, actually coached hockey there, too. Yeah? So it was, uh, yeah, real. Like, the, the goofy thing about that area, which I love, but they had trail minor hockey and Beaver Valley minor hockey. Like, there's like mm-hmm. 15,000 people in both communities, and they all went to school together, but there were two separate minor hockey systems, which... Uh, didn't make a lot of sense to me. It, it kind of felt like uh, they should be together, but so many great hockey players and so many great athletes from that area. So, yeah, a lot of fond memories of that area. Mm-hmm. AJ Jakubik from TSN 1200 in Ottawa is uh, with us on the Kevin Carey Show on 1440. So, um, well, you know, speaking of trail, uh, is it true that they wanted you to voice the Trail Smoke Eaters uh, documentary instead of Ray Ferraro? <laughs> no, I would say he would be number one on that list. I would be, I'd be about 185, maybe, maybe of the uh, 15,000 people yeah. there, I'd, I'd be about 15,050, given oh. the fact that I'm, I'm just an honorary trail native. Just kidding, big guy. Just kidding. Well, let's, I got to Let's start with, uh, let's go Red Blacks first. So. How's the season been? You're up close and personal with the Red Blacks. Um, it's been a, it's been tough here, as you know. Been kind of tough there. Uh, a lot of injuries, but uh, just your overall thoughts on what's been going on with the Red Blacks this year? Yeah, painful again because this is four years of this. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the Elks and Red Blacks have been awful at the same time. Uh, it feels like Edmonton's coming out of this. It feels like Ottawa is close, but. The Red Blacks just keep losing close games. Uh, I mean, under Bob Dice, who's coached mm-hmm. 17 games for the Red Blacks, uh, you know, he coached nine in, in Saskatchewan as well towards the end of the 2015 season after they started 0-9, and he took over midway through the season. But of the 17 games he's coached here, they haven't lost a game by more than 13 points, mm-hmm. and that was against Toronto this year. So they've been in every football game that – 
he has coached. And the majority of those have been decided by a touchdown or less. But they're 3-10 and 10 in those games, and they just keep finding ways to lose. I mean, they've lost seven in a row, and five of those games have been decided by four points or less. So it, it seems like they find a different way to lose every week. Like when they went to Edmonton uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were just soundly beaten. Mm-hmm. But you, you look at what they did in B.C. and building up a 37-18 lead and giving up 20 points in the last two and a half minutes. They did something similar against Montreal in recent weeks where they were up two touchdowns with six minutes to go. Uh, they had a game where, you know, they kicked a field goal from the one in Saskatchewan with under a minute to play, and then uh, it kind of came back to bite them in the rear end because the Riders came yeah. right back and kicked a field goal and won it. So, yeah, it's it, it's tough to watch. You feel like they've turned a bit of a corner, uh, but, but they keep losing because, uh, I mean, two years ago – and four years ago, 2019 and 2021, this team was just not competitive. Yeah. They're getting blown out on a regular basis. Last year, they lost a lot of close games as well, but you, you felt that they didn't back the head coach fully and Paul LaPolice. Now, like you talk to players, they fully back the head coach, Bob Dice, uh, but they just keep losing close games. So uh, I don't know when it's going to turn around. It's uh, It's tough when you watch close games down the stretch and you just get this sinking feeling that they're going to find a way to lose again. And you you probably think that there's some players that feel that Mm -hmm. as well, but until they win a couple of close ones and we'll see what they do in the next three weeks, they've got uh, Saskatchewan, Montreal, Montreal. So three pretty winnable games and two of those games at home. uh, You you feel like I've made the analogy here that, like the Ottawa Senators have missed the playoffs six years in a row, and DJ Smith has been the coach for four of those seasons, but he's still here. It's year five, and a big reason why is because they've won a lot of games in garbage time mm-hmm. late in the season. They've started poorly, especially the last three seasons. Now they have to start a lot better this year, but uh, he found a way to get this team to win games down the stretch when maybe the games weren't all that important, and that's what Bob Dice and the Red Blocks need to do just to give this fan base some hope going into next season. AJ Jakubic, TSN 1200 Ottawa is our guest on Sports 1440 this morning. Um, what about this last game though? You, you touched on all these close games. I mean, it was a 41 37 uh, loss to BC, but um, Red Blacks were up 10 with a couple minutes left. Uh, how did that transpire and tables turn into uh, a loss from what appeared to be a win? Yeah, and, and if you ask the fan base, you'll you'll get a lot of different responses, uh, which is why Bob Dice is taking some heat here and, you know, some questionable decision-making for sure. Like, the thing for me, they're up 37-18 in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, and they had three great quarters. Uh, Dustin Crum and the offense were rolling against that pretty good BC defense, and then in the fourth quarter, they essentially changed their play calling, and I get it. Um, you, you certainly want to run as much clock as possible when you're up 19 in the fourth quarter. But I thought that the biggest factor for me in that game was just uh, they were too conservative on offense. And, and it showed. I mean, they had nine yards on six drives offensively in the fourth quarter. So, And just too many predictable run plays where they're handed it off mm-hmm. straight up the middle and the defense – 
knew it was coming and stopped it. So by the time they started to decide, okay, we need to throw the ball downfield, it was probably a little bit too late. And that combined with the fact that, uh, you know, a questionable decision to kick a field goal, you're up 10 points, you can go up 13. Lewis Ward, uh, you know, most accurate kicker in mm-hmm. CFL history, um, had already hit twice from 53. He was a 49-yarder, but you had Terry Williams back, one of the more dangerous return guys in the league, and all of a sudden he runs it back. And that, that sinking feeling when he was running it back for a touchdown, and you, you would think, okay, now you're up 37-34 and there's a minute and a half to go. You would think you're still in the driver's seat, but I, I just think that was the feeling for me, and I'm sure a lot of fans and, and, and even players that, okay, this, they're losing this game again. They're finding a way to lose this game again. And not only did they not lose it in overtime, I mean, they gave up a touchdown after the two and out and, and lost it in regulation. So, yeah, a lot of questions about, again, the play calling, uh, about how conservative they were offensively, yeah. certainly the, the decision to, to kick the field goal. That's, that's what you're going to get, especially with a rookie head coach who's had such a great career as, uh, you know, an assistant and a special teams coordinator. But, you know, sometimes you see first-year coaches make decisions like that, even if it might have been the right decision. Yeah. If it goes against you, in hindsight, uh, certainly it, it deemed to be the wrong decision. We saw that with Brian Dinwiddie in Toronto. I mean, Dinwiddie, a couple of years ago, there was a game where he put his team in victory formation and they still had to punt, and they lost the game. So um, not quite that egregious, but you know that, that's one of the things that I think uh, a lot of people would point to that, yeah, I mean, I, there are some decisions that probably need to be a little bit better going forward, and uh, I do think he's a good culture builder. I do think he can be the right guy uh, to, to lead this team, mm-hmm. uh, just the, the way he is a leader of men, but, but sometimes, you know, with any coach that that makes that transition and it it can be a bit problematic for a while aj jakovic is uh, with us in sports 1440 in edmonton let's switch gears to the senators now training camp gets underway uh, across the nhl and i think um, optimism running pretty high for the sense they've locked up uh, almost all of their core pieces for long long term not many teams can say that in the sense that they've done that with pretty responsible financial uh, being. Um, what's the, the sentiment? What's the uh, the feeling with the uh, Senators uh, heading into the season, AJ? A lot of optimism. I, I think there's a belief that this is a playoff team. That being said, I, I think one, one of the things I believe is the West is a little more top-heavy. There's more mm-hmm. true cup contenders, Edmonton being one of them, Vegas, Colorado, Dallas a few others. Uh, I just feel like the East is deeper. Um, and, and probably when you look at teams 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, um, they're probably a little bit better than what you'd see in the West, the Vancouver's, the Winnipeg's, in, in terms of those teams that, that are probably bubble teams in the West. So, yeah, it feels like they're ready to take another step. It feels like Buffalo's ready to take another step. We'll see what Pittsburgh can do if they have one last kick at the cat, uh, but who comes out? I mean, maybe the Islanders. Uh, I think we're all expecting the Bruins to to take a big step back, but you know what is that step back? They still have pretty good goaltending and defense, and a couple of great star players up front, even though they lost their top two centermen. So who comes out mm-hmm. in the East to make way for 
the Ottawa's or Buffalo's or potentially Pittsburgh. And for Ottawa, they just have to control what they can control. And and I think, you know, we'll we'll see about their goaltending. It feels like it should be solid if Forsberg and and Corpusalo should stay healthy. But you know, uh, still a little bit of a question mark there. But I feel like the biggest thing is this blue line hasn't been very good and very deep for a long time. And now you look at this group going into the season and the top four is as strong as it's been in a long, long time here with uh, Jake Sanderson, who just signed an eight-year extension and guy that has uh, some Edmonton roots yep. as well. Uh, certainly a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think that contract surprised a lot of people when you look at his numbers and how little he's played in the NHL. But I can tell you, having watched him every game last season, he was Ottawa's best defenseman, yeah. and he's only going to get better. He's only going to scratch the surface. He's such a great skater, defender, uh, always seems to do the right thing, and the offensive numbers, you feel, are, are only going to get better. So with Sanderson, Shabbat, uh, Jacob Chikrin, and Artem Zub, you've got a legit top four, yeah. and I think they've got a little bit of depth beyond that as well so that's a big reason why i feel like this is going to be different this year uh the forward group certainly when you look at the top six it looks strong with kachuk and stutzla and josh norris coming back and uh you know drake batherson just had an okay season last year but we'll see if he can bounce back and 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 claude Giroux coming off a season where you know he looked like he was still in his prime so um i i think this group looks like a playoff team but they have to go out and show it and again it comes back to starts and and Mm -hmm. that that's maybe the other big question is okay dj smith uh kind of like bob dice we know he's a pretty good culture builder we know uh the players love playing for him especially the top players like brady kachuk and tim stutzler rave about dj smith but he has to deliver he has to produce and, and especially early in the season and the last three seasons, they've just started woeful. It was four fifteen and one two years ago. Mm-hmm. Last year it was six twelve and one. I mean, you're just not going to make the playoffs if you go behind the eight ball like that. And they had at least a valiant finish to get themselves into the mix late, but it was just too little, too late. And uh, they need to find a way to start well. They've got five of their first six at home, and yeah. a lot of non-playoff teams in the first month or so. So no excuses for not starting well and. We'll, we'll see if this is the year they can finally break that drought. One uh, last one for AJ Jakubic, TSN 1200 Ottawa. So what's the feeling with new ownership, Michael Landlauer, and then it's looking like uh, former Oilers GM Peter Shirelli is going to be landing with the organization too. Well, that's a new one that I've heard because okay. the, the former Oiler that I've heard that uh, is likely Stevie. coming here is Keith Stale. Yeah. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of of the next few weeks. Certainly, a lot of I mean Matthew Darsh is another person that's been rumored to come here, uh, assistant GM uh, in, in Tampa Bay, and, and uh, he's got a relationship with Ann Lauer going back to what he played for the Hamilton Bulldogs. I'll I'll say this: there's a lot of excitement uh, surrounding that because mm-hmm. I think you know, look, give Eugene Melnick his due. Uh, he was the one that stepped up when no one else would when this team was in bankruptcy uh, back in 2003. Um, you know, the early years were good, but, you know, there, there were certainly too many tumultuous times off the ice in, in recent years. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is something that was needed for the city and, and certainly for the franchise. And everything you hear about Michael Anlauer is top shelf, first class, whether it's people that, 
dealt with him in Montreal, whether it's people that dealt with him uh, in Hamilton, uh, where he still owns the Bulldogs. They've moved temporarily for the next three years with Cops Coliseum being renovated to Brantford. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting times. You've mm-hmm. got a local, big local contingent on that ownership group as well. But I, I think we're all waiting to see what he's going to do um, in, in terms of management and, and certainly a, a lot of names being floated about. Daniel Alfredson is another and, and yeah. someone that worked in the organization, but again, just didn't really have a very good relationship with Eugene Melnick and left the organization twice, once as a player and once in management. So um, I, no doubt they're going to beef up their staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it's going to look at the end of the day, we'll wait and see, but uh, it, it feels like this is, a necessary move and probably comes similar timing to, you know, with Daryl Cates at Edmonton in the sense that, you know, they were looking for a new arena as well at the same time. And that's what Ottawa's looking to do with a downtown venue somewhere. So um, a, a lot that goes into it both on and off the ice, but it feels like uh, it's an exciting time for uh, Ottawa sports fans. Hey, uh, AJ, we just got a quick text in to share with you. Ask AJ if he played with my nephew, Gary Romjan, under Eddie Stoiko in St. Oh, Albert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, G- Gary Roman. Yeah. Okay, Roman. Okay. Yeah. And our head coach was, uh, this was Pee Wee Triple A. Our head coach <laughs> was Dean Clark, who ended oh. up. Oh. Uh, well, playing a game with the Oilers. Yeah, draft pick uh, of the Oilers. I think around, yeah. yeah, in in 1984, Hitman I believe he coach. played for the Oilers. Yeah. Hitman coach, and then, yeah, Kamloops and Prince George and mm-hmm. other places around the WHL. So, yeah, Gary was a good player. Ended up, uh, after that Pee Wee AAA year, played uh, AAA hockey in Winnipeg and still out in Winnipeg, I believe. Uh, I'm so. sure you taught him everything he knows. <laughs> yeah, I probably turned the puck square for him. <laughs> hey, uh, AJ, thanks for doing this uh, this morning. Uh, so glad that you're you're back uh, healthy and uh, and on the broadcasting scene in Ottawa. And uh, we'll see when you when you come back to Edmonton here in the next bit. Maybe you'll uh, make it out for the Heritage Classic. We we'll see you out there or something like that. Awesome, sounds good, Kevin. Uh, always appreciate chatting with you, and uh, congratulations on the show. Thank you very much. We're excited. It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, onward and upward here. Thanks a lot, AJ. That's AJ Jackiebic, uh, TSN 1200 in Ottawa. Top of the hour, we will uh, check in with Mark Spector. When we come back, we'll get to more of your texts at 1-833-401-1440. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Um, 7.48, kind of gray, kind of cloudy out there. A little bit of rain today, looking a little bit better tomorrow. If you've uh, got a text, send it in to us, one 401 Mostly coming in this morning on who you think, who do our listeners think the Oilers should name today. It'll be later this morning as uh, training camp gets underway. Who do you think the Oilers should name for their Hall of Fame. Last year, it was Lee Fogelin, Ryan Smith. This year, who do you think you would like to see uh, at Rogers Place up on the ring there? Uh, let's bring in the Duke of Delburn. Do you have a couple? Do you have one for sure? I, do I think, don't have Duke? any names that haven't already been yeah. uh, kind of thrown around this morning. Like I said, Doug Wade, I think, is a great one. Joey Moss, if we're looking outside the realm of, of mm-hmm. just players. But... Charlie Huddy's such a hard name to yeah. ignore because of the fact that, you know, was around for, for every Stanley Cup championship. We had him on the show yeah. uh, last week. Such a great guy to talk to. Um, 
but yeah, the, the, that's the great thing about having a, a franchise as historic and um, mostly successful if we cut out about 10 years here yeah. in the recent memory. Um, that th- There's so many great players to choose from, even from that bad uh, bad stretch, guys like Hemsky, Horkoff, you know, whatever the case. So um, I, I I don't have any names that haven't already been uh, bantied around mm-hmm. this morning. Yeah, Craig McTavish is another good one for sure. And uh, you can go back even into the early days. There's so many great players that will... And again, you know, I was just talking to a lot of guys yesterday uh, at the Oilers uh, Barry Cates Memorial Golf. You know, there's so many guys that uh, are are worthy of going up for sure. Uh, isn't it uh, neat that we have Thursday night football tomorrow? Right back at her. Very neat. It's that's uh, what I love it. Yes, and it's kind of weird. I mean, the last season, most Thursday night games were. Terrible. Duds, it yeah. was it was brutal. It was a really mm-hmm. unfortunate situation for um, Amazon. Of course, their first year taking over the broadcast for Thursday Night Football, bringing in an yep. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, and there was like virtually no good games all season. We, we've been off to a much better start through two. I mean, granted, just one week on Amazon. Yeah. The uh, opening night is um, not uh, on their broadcast schedule, but the Monday Night Football curse is much more. Um, it's getting uh, worse on, on tap. Yeah. Three straight Monday Night games with some pretty uh, tragic occurrences. Of course, the Demar mm-hmm. Hamlin incident going back to last season, and then Aaron Rodgers' Achilles, and now Nick Chubb this week. So yeah. uh, Monday Night game this week. Uh, I think a lot of those fans are going to be holding their breath heading into <laughs> into that game because. Yikes! Uh, yeah, Rams it Rams it Bengals uh, this coming Monday night. But and well, Joe Burrow's uh, he probably isn't playing as it is. Yeah, he's going to be not looking for like sure. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tomorrow, New York Giants and San Francisco. Um, you mentioned the running backs already. So Saquon Barkley will be out at least three weeks. Mm-hmm. So. Matt Breida comes in. I guess he'd be the number one back for... Next man up. Yep. Uh, that's how it's looking right now for for the Giants and a couple other teams who've had some running back injuries, including the aforementioned Browns. So, um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Breida's backfield for the time being. We know the Giants love to run the ball between uh, whoever they have uh, at halfback and Daniel Jones. So we'll see how they um, maybe alter the game plan a little bit to have a different, uh, different look with Breida back there. Well, the Giants had a 21-point comeback last week. Uh, that's the largest, tied for the largest in their franchise history. So, I mean, that was quite amazing what they did um, against the Cards. So, no Barkley. Darren Waller's been banged up as well. Um, Danny Dimes, as uh, Streds calls him. Uh, Daniel Jones really did nothing for six quarters, I guess, really, but then played pretty well in the second half. Um, having said that, this is a different beast. Uh, this is a San Francisco 49ers defense that is one of the very best in the league, brings a lot of pressure. Um, I'm not exactly sure where the Giants offensive line is right now, and especially with Barkley out, does that change the game plan a lot? It has to a little bit, you would think. So where is that dynamic in your mind, Niners defense versus what the Giants offense can bring tomorrow night? Yeah, it's going to be a big test for for Brian Dable. He said the the huge disappointment week one, and then what was looking like disastrous week two. They they really rallied the troops to, like you said, come back and beat the Cards. But this Niners defense is probably the best in the league mm-hmm. uh, in terms of a week to week basis. Their front four is great. A uh, couple real killers back in the secondary too. So it's and like Daniel Jones, not known as a great um, a great passer per se. Like like I said, they love to run the ball with him in designed runs with Daniel Jones. So he's going to have to keep his head up because. There's some big boys out there on that uh, San Fran defense, and the Giants could be in real trouble if, uh, say, Daniel Jones is out scrambling and and takes a big hit and has to mm-hmm. maybe miss some time too. It's always the risk when you have 
a running quarterback. Uh, we saw with Anthony Richardson last weekend, um, and, and Daniel Jones has taken some big shots already in his yes. young career. So it uh, you know you got to be careful, and the Giants are going to have to game plan appropriately. And as for the Giants, uh, their defense, they've got to really look at a Niners offense that's kind of clicking right now. Had a really good game in Pittsburgh to start the season. Um, Brock Purdy has looked very good. Um, hasn't turned the ball over a lot. He's had, a, I think he's had one interception there. Um, in three career home starts, he has eight touchdowns, seven passing, one rushing, and just one interception for a 132 quarterback rating in three career home starts. I mean, that's pretty good. And also Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, he's the best back in the league. This whole Niners offense yep. is loaded. Yep. It's, I, I've officially changed to becoming a Brock Purdy believer after mm-hmm. watching uh, him last week because he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have to be, you know, Josh Allen as best. He has to be a distributor of the ball and a game manager. And and people say that phrase game manager like it's a detriment. When your team mm-hmm. is as good as the Niners are, you you can just be okay, and that's fine. And he's shown when the time matters most, he can come up with a big play, whether it be a good throw or you know, quick little uh, jut out for a first down yeah. or something and on short yardage. So whether it be Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk had a huge week one, George Kittle's uh, you know probably the second best tight end in the entire NFL. When healthy, yeah. McCaffrey in the there. backfield, like you said, when healthy is probably the best running back too. So Brock Purdy has convinced me that he is probably the best at um, doing what he has to do mm-hmm. is it as a game manager and just a distributor of the ball, working that offense appropriately. Because even if you're surrounded by these veterans and great players, the quarterback is still the chief out there, and mm-hmm. he's going to be uh, the one dictating everything, and he's done a great job of it. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident in the Niners heading into this game, but we'll see if the Giants can surprise me. Text coming in to one 1440 Kelly Buckberger fits the ring. That comes from Chad Eady. Uh, and then this one... Um, Ben Stelter on the wall. Ben Stelter on the wall. Um, I mean, why not? We've been, we've been talking about everything off the ice, and, I mean, this is, you know, it's obviously it's not going to happen soon, but it's probably in the conversation down the road, uh, as many people will be. So um, keep those texts coming in, one 833 Who do you think should be on the Oilers uh, Hall of Fame on the Ring of Honor? Uh, at the top of the hour, we will check in with one of the top fashion golfers. Just the, you know, it looked he looked a lot like Prince Purple Rain out there yesterday. Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. At the top of the hour, this is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. First of all, though, this Sports fourteen forty update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you can win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Check things out at First Round. Here is the do.